0: what's up everybody welcome to the combo church podcast my name is craig and my name is kara and we are the lead pastors of combo church if you are listening on ComboChurch.com, itunes or spotify make sure you subscribe follow and like we love it when you share with your family and friends and we would love it if you would leave us a great review our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose encourage life and build faith in you enjoy Enjoy the the message Go with me, if you will, to the book of John. This is in the New Testament. If you, uh, if you have a Bible, it's more towards the right-hand side. It's the last of the four Gospels, and, uh, and I cheated, and I put a bookmark in mine. So that's, where, that's how I got there faster. But we're going to go to chapter 16, and it, this is actually part two of a message I started last week uh, titled, Send It. I had to say it that way. Send it. You know, it's like, you know, you can't just say send it. It's, you know, it's, there's something behind it. And uh, how many of y'all know what that means? Like you've seen, I, I, I made the confession last week that I, I, please don't judge me, I do follow a handful of social media accounts that are, it's just footage of really good friends filming their other friends doing really dumb stuff, and they're just sending it. You know, it's, it's kind of like this phrase that gets used now to me, don't even think about it, just do it, send it. And and there's things about our life, right, that if we if we send it or don't send it, could really, uh could really dictate how our the rest of our life continues to go and so there are some things that Jesus sent there are some things that Jesus sent that makes and breaks the difference in how we can live life today so I'm not going to re-preach last week's message make sure you go back either on YouTube or on our podcast and you get a chance to to kind of get that whole message but today we're kind of going into part two and so I'm going to read this to you and that'll kind of set the tone for where we go today But before we get into that, I want to pray for you, and I want to make sure I'm talking to the right people. I want to know, make sure that I'm talking to folks who are hungry to grow today. Like you don't want to stay in the same place, you know. If if that's what we're, if all we're doing is to come and check some religious box in church, like we're wasting our time. And I don't want to. I don't know about you. I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste yours. I want us to grow. I want us to become the 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 bride, the church that God created us to be, so that we can bring the the hope and the life of Jesus to the world around us, amen? So that's what we're going for today. So let's start reading in chapter 16, verse 5. And these are the words of Jesus. My Bible's in red letters. That lets me know that Jesus is actually speaking right here. He goes, but now I am going away. And someone's like, that doesn't sound like good news at all. Why is Jesus going away? In the context of where we're reading, these are events that are happening literally right before Jesus goes into the process of being arrested, crucified, that whole process, the resurrection. And so he is making sure that in some of the final moments that he really has to spend with his disciples, he wants to make sure, like, okay, there's some things you have to know. I want to make sure you understand this. You guys have been chilling and walking with me for the last three and a half years. It's been amazing, but I have to go. And I don't know about you, but if I was, even today, I've had the thought, it wouldn't be so much better if we had physical Jesus that we saw with our eyes, could talk to and hear with our audible ears all the time, and wherever he went, we could literally follow Jesus. Like How, how much easier do we think that would be? But but Jesus knew that there was something that was a bigger part of the plan that the Father had, and Jesus had to go. So that's where we are right now. And he's saying, But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I have told you. But in fact, here here's this is so important. It is best for you that I go away. It is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate, somebody say advocate, it's another descriptor of the Holy Spirit. The advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will, this is where we get into the purpose of the Holy Spirit. These are some things we're going to dive into today. He will convict the world of its sin. You're like, well, that doesn't sound encouraging at all. But we have, I think we've we've allowed kind of culture to paint this picture that is bad of what Jesus communicated what was going to be powerful. And so we have, we have to recapture that. But the Holy Spirit is coming to convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And there's so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. Because they were, they were just processing, Jesus, you're going where? You're going to do what? You're leaving us? Ever had somebody drop a bomb on you and they keep talking, but you don't hear anything else they say? That's kind of that's what's happening right here. He says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Somebody say all truth. All truth. It kind of paints a picture right now There's counterculture in our world, which says that everything is relative. No, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in all, not relativism. He wants to lead you in all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. And that's what we're going to dive into today. So let me pray for you real quick. Father, we, uh, we ask uh, just in the moments that we have today, Father, that you would open up our hearts, open up our ears. God, we, we are hungry to grow. We're hungry for more of you. And God, no matter who we are where we are in our journey, whether we've walked with you for years or whether those that are here that still aren't sure about this whole Jesus thing, if it's real, if it's this whole religion thing, God, we pray that today that we would be able to kind of silence the noise, the doubts, uh, even any walls or barriers that might be up in our hearts. And we ask that your word would do what it is capable of doing, which is literally splitting between bone and marrow, dividing between soul and spirit and imparting your life into us. So we ask for that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen. Amen, amen. So, so again, last week when I was kind of going into that message, we, we painted this picture that um, we need to understand the culture of our, our church. You know, we, we, are, we are one church among many churches in our region. And, and, and if you're preaching Jesus, we're on the same team. That's important to know. That's important to know. We have different churches, and they all have different abilities to reach different people and that's also important to know because when you understand the fact that we are on the same team but we have different functions for the same team then we don't go around trying to be like well this is better than that and this is better than this and this is and those are evil but you guys are much better i promise you we're not and and that's that's a pretty safe promise right there but the reality is is when you find where god is plugging you in where you can be planted then you can be a fruitful functional part of the body of christ in that expression so for us it is so important for us to understand or to communicate that as a church here's the thing that defines us beyond anything else jesus is our message jesus is our message and uh, and I've ha- I, over the years I've had to even change the way that I talk to people about like who I am as far as like my faith like I'm a Christian but now you go and you say I'm a Christian and somebody could have like a thousand different things that they think that means right positive and negative maybe and so I've 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 embraced this whole f- phrase the statement of saying you know I'm a Jesus follower that's that's what I am which at the very least causes people to pause at least a few more seconds before they form in their mind what they think about you. But, but, you know, it gives you that opportunity to have conversation with, with individuals to help them know that, you know, I'm not just about some religious thing. I'm about a relationship with God because God started that with me. How many of you know that? God doesn't want a religion with you. He wants a relationship with you. Like he, he wants, he, he knows you, but he wants you to know him. He wants there to be intimacy between you and him that leads you into your purpose and leads you into the bigger picture of what we're called to be as the body of Christ. And so when we look at our world around us, I think we face many challenges right now. There are, there are ways that as the bigger body of Christ, we have had wins and we've had significant failures of how we have communicated the love and the grace of God, of how we have tried to bring truth into our culture and maybe in a way that is not communicating the heart of God. You know, there's, there's things that we have to embrace and look at as we move forward, how we can be effective in our own lives and effective in the world around us. And so here's the thing. Jesus is our message. That's going to be something we talk about every week in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't, doesn't mean we're just going to read John three sixteen, and that's what it's all about. No, from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is the center figure of the Word of God. But here's the thing. The message of Jesus without the message of the Holy Spirit is only a partial view of Jesus. And I think one of the things that has been missing, and I will, I'll just keep it confined to, like, my life and my generation, but there's been others as well. We have missed the message of the Holy Spirit being coupled with the message of Jesus. We have only been communicating this Jesus of the gospel, and we have actually watered that down to a degree where there's this weak, tiptoeing Jesus walking around who's just got no backbone, just wants everybody to be happy and friendly all the time. He's soft-spoken and, and you know, even kind of made, riding in on the donkey side saddle, just kind of like, you know. It's like, no, like I feel like Jesus, was a, he was a grown man. He had a beard. I mean, come on. This is all I got right here. This is all I can do. Don't judge me. You know, it's, he, was, he was a man. He had a beard. You know, I feel like he, he walked in strength. I feel like Jesus was not a man of weakness. He might have been a man of meekness, but it was definitely not weakness. Don't, don't, don't confuse the two because that can get you in trouble. So Jesus, I believe, he, he walked around in power. He walked in authority. He walked knowing his identity. And when he walked around as God in the flesh, the Son of God, Jesus was part of the Trinity, not added to God later as a late addition to the team, but he was there in the very beginning before there was the beginning. John chapter 1, in the same book we were just reading from, John talks about how Jesus was in the beginning. He goes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, speaking of Jesus, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything was created through him and nothing was created except by him. So it, Jesus wasn't just some really good dude that got added to the div, you know to the trinity later cuz he made the team and you know the father's like I think we should bring him on. I think he could do I think we would do well to add him to our you know we're just two of us. Now there's a trinity. No, it's always been. It's always been. So but if we don't understand and embrace the full power and message of the Holy Spirit then we are diminishing the message of Jesus, and the way I know that is true is because Jesus Himself had to get out of the way, so the Holy Spirit could show up. Like, wow, that's you know, I want to I want to hold hands with Jesus. I want to follow Him around. You know those things that some parents use where they like, you know, clip something to their kid, <laughs> like it's their dog. <laughs> I make fun of it now, but like they didn't have those when our kids were little, and I saw them later. I'm like, that's actually brilliant. Where are my kids? They are tied. Get over here. You know, it's like, it's like, I want one of those strapped to me and Jesus just pulling me around, you know, that type of thing. I'd be like, Who, where are you? I'm following Jesus. There you're over here. This way or oh, that way. Okay. You know, sometimes I feel like that would help us in our walk, wouldn't it? But it doesn't work that way. But Jesus had to get out of the way so that his spirit could come to the front. So if we are preaching Jesus without preaching the very thing that he said we needed, we are missing it. And if we're missing it for ourselves, we sure as heck are going to be missing it for the world around us. So today, I know, like even online, anywhere, like in here, our, our, our audience is always very diverse in many different ways. Like maybe you're here with no church background, this whole thing's new to you. It's very possible you're hearing about the Holy Spirit for the first time today. Now there's others, You maybe you come from like a denominational background or some specific church background, and we've all been preached Uh, very uh, different ideas and pictures of the Holy Spirit. And not necessarily all of them inaccurate, but I think for me, when I think of how I was taught and raised growing up, I was taught pretty, pretty good about the Holy Spirit, but I still think it wasn't necessarily the full picture. And so I was able to go forward with boldness and the understanding of what I had, which, I mean, that's the best that you can do. You know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And so I think the more that we allow ourselves to not embrace the Holy Spirit of what we observe, but we allow ourselves to embrace the Holy Spirit of what is clear, of what is clear, what was clearly modeled in the Gospels, what was clearly modeled in the book of Acts, what continued throughout Paul's letters and the epistles and even into the book of Revelation, like there is a clear picture of who the Holy Spirit is and what the work of the Holy Spirit is. And so my goal is for us as a church, you know, people are like, what kind of church are you all? And sorry, Southern comes out when I say that. What kind of church are y'all? You know, it's like, I don't ever really know how to answer that question. Because someone who asked that question already has an idea of what, you know, they're expecting you to say. Like, it's going to fit into a certain stream. And I really don't know, because I, I love the fact that the people that we gather for our church, y'all are crazy. Y'all are from all over the place. So that's why it's so much easier to be like, we just love Jesus. We believe in the Bible. We want all of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to take it a day at a time. How that sound? How's that sound for for theology, for teaching? So today we're really going to dive in some more on the Holy Spirit. We're kind of even chronologically, we're we're on that timetable from the resurrection of Christ to where he was still walking around on the earth. I wish I knew everything that he was doing, but he only actually appeared to his disciples about three or four times that we know of. So other than that, he wasn't with them, but he was there. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what was going on? But we do know that from the time that he rose from the dead to the time that the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 was 50 days. From the resurrection to Pentecost, which is the the, the Jewish holiday that was already celebrated, but it was also the day where the Holy Spirit showed up. So 50 days. So we're kind of even chronologically, we know the end from the beginning. We've already got the cliff notes. But we can still kind of have that anticipation of remembering what the disciples must have been feeling because they had no context for the Holy Spirit. They, didn't, they, didn't, they couldn't go to a conference and hear more about the Holy Spirit. All they knew was Jesus was telling them, I have to go and I'm going to send you the advocate. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you my spirit. That's all they knew. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They didn't know where it was going to happen other than in Jerusalem. So we get to know, but they didn't know. But now that we know, it's important for us to dig even deeper into the revelation of who the Holy Spirit is in our own life. So I want to kind of focus in on verse 7 and 8, because if we know the function of the Holy Spirit, then we know how to embrace the Holy Spirit in our own life. One of the biggest principles within Christianity and following Jesus is to understand that it starts with you before it goes to anybody else. Uh, that, that's the song that we ended on today, Lord, send revival, man. so powerful. I love that song. I love that theme. I love that focus. You know, revival being like, okay, what is, what is revival? Well, you're reviving. So imagine somebody going to cardiac arrest. Revi- you're bringing life back into it, right? You're, bringing, you're reviving life. And so when we say revival, God, God send revival into your church. God re- bring your life, breathe life back into your church So that we're not just a gathering of people hanging on for dear life, but we are fully empowered as your people to live on mission and to impact our cities and our nation and our world. So when we see revival, but here's the deal, revival doesn't, you can't schedule it. Anyway, I I grew up in the South, so it was like, this church is having a revival, you know, we're having revival at this particular time. Show up at the tent for the revival. And you're like, oh, okay, oh, I'm about to miss revival. I got to go. And I was like, no, you can't schedule revival. I understand the context, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you can't say, okay, God, send revival Saturday, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30. Don't, we don't want to go too late because then, you know, people got kids and stuff. So from 6.30 to 8.30, send revival. It's going to be crazy, and then we're going to go back to our regular lives like nothing changed. And so that's not revival. That's not what the Holy Spirit is looking to do inside of us. So revival doesn't start in a meeting. Revival doesn't start in a church. Revival doesn't start in a city. Revival starts inside of your heart. Because that's what God does. Everything that God does, it starts right here, and it begins to work its way out. When you say yes to Jesus, your spirit is saved. Salvation, transformation happens just like that. You are instantly saved, but then the Holy Spirit begins to work from the inside out. It goes from your spirit to your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. And how many of you know you got to take care of that every single day? <laughs> you got to take care of your thoughts. you got to take care of your emotions. you gotta, you got to be careful what you're allowing in because what you allow in is going to feed your soul, It's going to feed the challenges or the victories of the day. And so we need to make sure that as we seek God for revival, which every single one of us should be doing, like even if you don't know exactly what it is, like it, it's okay to ask God for stuff that you don't know what it is. Because if we always knew what it was, we wouldn't ask for some of it. Like, God, would you send me your peace and patience? And then he sends you things that develop peace and patience inside of you. Parents, he sends you children, <laughs> which you love dearly, the fruit of your, your own spirit. So Anyway, so, you know, so God, you know, so it's, but it's okay to ask for things that you don't exactly know what it is. So, I, I mean, I encourage you, like, always be praying and asking God to send you more of his Holy Spirit. And get outside of the context of what you understand of it. That doesn't mean that you're wrong, but I, but God's bigger. Like, if we ever get to a point where we think that we have come to a full understanding of the reality of who God is, man, we've missed it. Like, that's not what it's, you're never supposed to get to a point where you're like, ah, finally, I have full understanding of everything and of who God is. Whew, man, that was hard. No, it's not how it works. Like, this is God we're talking about. Like, he, he he continues to be so much bigger than we would ever be able to wrap our minds and our heart around at all times. Like, God is so good and he is so, so so don't ever allow yourself to be like, okay, God, I want all that you have as much as I can comprehend and understand because then we're limiting our our expression and experience of God with what we can handle. And God's like, no, I never called you to, 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 to follow me as long as you can handle it. Like you need the things that God wants to do in you. You need the Holy Spirit so that He can take you places where you can never go on your own. That's the power. Verse 7 and 8. But in fact, it is best that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate, other, some other descriptors, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him. And when he comes, he will here you go. He will convict. Somebody say convict. Some of y'all, your hands got sweaty just when you say that word. He will convict the world of its sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. So, so I want to look at that word convict. That's where we're going to land today because this is so important for us to understand moving forward in the context of who the Holy Spirit is. Because when we think, I don't know, when I think of the word convict, I go straight to a courtroom and there's a judge, he's smacking the hammer down and you're convicted. You know, you're guilty. And there now there's a punishment. Now you have to, that's what we think. It's so we're like, oh no, the Holy Spirit's coming to do that. Oh no. Because I might be able to hide it from some people, but he knows everything. (laughs) I'm in so much trouble right now. He's coming to convict me. You know, I'm busted. No, no, that's not what it works. The word convict that's shown in here is it is a legal term, what John is using, but it speaks to the office of a judge in summing up the evidence and settling a matter in a clear and a true light that has been long investigated. So check this out. And again, think about yourself. This isn't about other people that you're like, yeah, that's right. They need some Holy Spirit. I know who. I know who needs this. No, think about yourself for a second the holy Spirit's job is to put silent the adversaries of Christ and his cause, discovering and identifying the falsehoods of sin in our own lives, and showing us the truth of God, which has opposed god i'm sorry the tr- the, the truth of our of, of our sin which opposes God, and so because that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. the Holy Spirit wants us, the Spirit of God wants close communion relationship with us so desperately that he is willing to expose the things in us that are keeping us from that intimacy with God. That's gracious. That's not God beating you up because you did something wrong. That's God saying, I'm going to help remove the things that are keeping us apart. So the so conviction of the Holy Spirit actually becomes a, a thing of love and of grace, not of condemnation and judgment. But it has to be identified so that it can be, so that it can be dealt with so that it can be removed. The Holy Spirit shows up in our lives, and I, I kind of put down, there, I'm, there's more to it than this, but three things that stood out to me. The Holy Spirit shows up in our lives to stop us in our tracks when we miss the mark of God's standard. I mean, that's really what sin is. If you go back to the original word, sin is an archery term for missing the mark. You know, we we like to make lists, right, we, of like, you got the big nasties. We want to try to avoid those. And then we have kind of like those those middle ones, which are, you know, you know, you want to try your best, and then you got these over here. You know, that's not that big of a deal. You know, we make lists, but really at the end of the day, it's what is God's standard, and have we hit the bullseye or not? And if we're not hitting the bullseye, which for many, we're humans, come on now, then we need God's help. It is possible to not sin. I want, I want to speak that truth right now. So many people are just like, man, I'm just a sinner. I'm always going to be a sinner, saved by grace. If you're saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner. Because a sinner identity and a saint identity, the only difference is the grace of God. So the grace of God doesn't sustain us so that we can continue to sin. The grace of God actually does a transformation work so that we can walk in freedom. Romans chapter 6, man, go back and read Romans like it's medicine. Read Romans chapter 6 because Paul talks about how, listen, Jesus was crucified and conquered sin, and we died with Christ in that crucifixion. We also rose with Christ in his resurrection. So that means that you and I are no longer slaves to sin. It uses that terminology. You're not a slave to sin. Man, I just can't beat this thing. It keeps coming back. You're not a slave to it. What the enemy wants you to believe is that you are still a slave to it, is that maybe you'll get to heaven one day, but you're going to screw up this whole life because you're just a sinner and that's all you're ever going to be. Come on, destroy that lie. Destroy that lie. Replace it. You got to replace it because God is in the business of identity change. And he wants to transform our identity from what we think we are, what the world tells us we are, the confusion that the world tries to force on us. And he's like, no, I know you and I created you. I want to take you from what you think you are into what I know you are. And so identity change in Christ means that we let go of our earthly identity and what we think things are, and we say yes to a brand new identity as a Jesus follower. And it's not just because of the truth of Jesus, it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen to that? But here's, this is so important, because this is where it kind of gets into the weeds of of how, how successfully the church can interact with the world around us when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit because only the Holy Spirit can truly do this work. You and I may be able to identify sin in other people, maybe, be like, yep, dirty sinner. I can can smell him a mile away. Facebook, look at that dirty sinner. Let me post something about it. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, whoa, easy, pump the brakes on that one. That's nobody here, that's just online. We love you. (laughs) But you and I might be able to point out sin, but listen, only the Holy Spirit can open somebody's heart Where the sin lives, identify it as sin, remove it, and bring healing for someone to move forward. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Like, that's it. Like, you and I can't do that. Like, you and I don't have the power to go up to somebody and be like, let me tell you about your sin. (laughs) Let me tell you what you're going to do about it. No, like, that that sounds kind of dumb, but in my experience, I think that's what the world sees of the church more than not. The world sees the church come into the world who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't live under the standards and the convictions of the Holy Spirit, and we're holding the world to the standard that we should be living, yet we're not so well, and we're telling them what they're doing wrong. We're telling them how they should be living differently. Meanwhile, we're doing the exact same things. If you don't believe that that's been a problem in a church forever, read Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 or Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 1 opens up a can of worms. Romans chapter 2 says, but you're just like them. (laughs) So easy, easy on us us telling the world how jacked up they are because we are they. And there is a solution, right? There's a solution, and we need Jesus. We need Jesus. So let's dive into that a little bit further. You all ready for that? Is this okay? Are you buckling seatbelts? Are are your hands sweaty? Are you not sure? We're going to talk about conviction and sin and stuff like that. Send it. All right. Your words, not mine. That's not true. It's actually right there. Um, so when we when we think about what the Holy Spirit is doing, um, uh, you know, the conviction, going to Holy Spirit's going to cut me, because He is. He wants to cut you, but He doesn't want to cut you to hurt you. He wants to cut you to do a surgery. He wants to remove the things in you that are not of Him, and He wants to do a healing work that only He can do. But I don't always think in that context of yes, ah, oh, the Advocate, the Comforter, the Encourager. It's so encouraging. I feel so counseled by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it feels like pain. But the Holy Spirit is doing something that, again, like I said, only the Holy Spirit can do. First, he comes to convict, but second, he comes to comfort. What we do is we come to convict, but we don't bring comfort. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He comes to open the wound, and then he comes to apply healing medicines that only he can do. So literally, the Holy Spirit exposes in your life What is missing the mark of God's standard? And then leads you into God's truth because that's where the healing is gonna come from. The healing isn't gonna come from you trying harder. Like if you're struggling with addiction, you're not gonna find healing from God because you tried harder. You're gonna get healing from God because you allowed the Holy Spirit to cut that thing wide open and rip open your chest and do a surgery to remove the things that have been placed in there, either by your own actions or by, you know, issues of generations that have been passed on to you or things that have been done to you that you didn't even welcome or invite. And then beginning to do a healing transformation work. I said it in the first experience. We're kind of like onions, right? We, we have layers. And some of us don't smell great. No, that's completely different. That's not... That's not the analogy. But we're like, we have layers. And, and sometimes that's why the Holy Spirit's work in you is never done. Because the Holy Spirit will remove one layer to get to the next and bring healing. And you're like, oh, finally, I'm healed, I'm whole. Remove another layer, healing. Remove another layer, healing. Like, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because where we will always have to face temptation and sin, we won't always have to be subject to the same things. Because when God does a healing work and our identity shifts, our identity changes, then we've given the the Lord permission to go deeper into our heart. It's always interesting when you study the way that Paul refers to himself throughout the letters that he's writing to the early churches. Because he starts off with not a great impression of himself. Like he doesn't, his self-talk, I would encourage Paul, be like, Paul, maybe you talk to yourself a little differently, buddy. You're being kind of hard on yourself. But well, he goes from like, I am a sinner, I need Jesus, I don't even belong to be, uh, you know, listed as one of the apostles. And one of his last letters that he writes, he refers to himself as like the worst of sinners. The che- I'm like, are you getting worse or are you getting better? It's kind of hard to tell. And I don't think it's because Paul's sin life was growing. I think it was actually because the Holy Spirit was, was dialing in, zeroing in more and more in the core and the heart of who he was. And so, yeah, my identity has changed, but I'm going to continue to stay submitted and humble and surrendered to the Holy Spirit's work inside of me. The moment that we feel like we've arrived is the moment that we miss it. A religious mindset cares about being right. The Holy Spirit cares about making right. There's a huge, huge difference. And so the more we allow the Holy Spirit to do work in us, Here's the thing, you don't have to be the Holy Spirit police to the world around us when the light of God is shining through you. You ever hear ever hear somebody's like, man, I'm just, you know, at, at work and, you know, just doing my job with a smile on my face, and somebody came up to me, and they're like, what is different about you? You're like, I don't know, man, I just love Jesus. And they just start crying and prayed, and everybody got saved. And you're like, that never happens to me. Which, by the way, that doesn't happen to me. I've never had that happen to me. I'm a pastor. I mean, for crying out loud. But like you hear people and it's like, well, what is happening? Well, the thing that's happening in that environment is you have somebody who so purely is just loving Jesus and embracing the work of the Holy Spirit in their own life that it becomes attractive to the people around them. The world doesn't need you to tell them what they're doing wrong. They need you to live what the Holy Spirit is doing right. And it is attractive to the world. If we truly believe what the Bible teaches about humanity is that it is broken, it is hurting, and that it desperately needs Jesus. And it is crying out for it. And if And if we would pause to look around, we would see that it is searching for answers. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure about the Jesus thing, but you're searching for answers. You're hungry for truth. You're hungry for something that is real. And it is, for whatever reason, drawn you here today or drawn you online today. Maybe somebody invited you, sent you a link, but here's the deal. It's happening because the love of God is drawing you into himself. And I wanna invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of you that only he can do. As I wrap things up today, and Moses, go ahead and hop on up, and we're going to try to land this plane. But I really believe with full conviction that the Holy Spirit wants to do something substantial in your life here today. Not a thought that you go, well, I'll think about it this week and, you know, come back next week and think about it. No, I believe the Holy Spirit is here today, right now, to do something substantial inside of you. But he's not, the Holy Spirit's not going to kick a door open. He's going to present himself. He's going to pave a road, but you have to walk it out. You have to invite the Holy Spirit. So often you're like, well, I already said yes to Jesus, so I already have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you do in your heart. But my question is is he locked up? Have you imprisoned the Holy Spirit in your heart, or have you given him freedom over everything that you are? What we need to do is we need to give the Holy Spirit freedom over everything that we are because we won't walk in the full freedom that God is calling us to if we don't give the Holy Spirit full freedom to operate how he can operate in our lives. That's what we have to evaluate. Uh, you ever, ever heard the word Christianese? It's like, you know, Christian language. It's words that we know, but nobody else really knows. Or maybe we know it, but we're not sure exactly what it means. We say it all the time. You know, but there there are... But there are things that are in Scripture that do, you know, impact kind of the language and verbiage and, you know, so, you know even almost like the, the poetic imagery of certain things. And throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is referred to as many different symbols, but there are two that stick out to me. And, and I was praying over this and wrote this down yesterday. Like, you see the Holy Spirit referred to as fire, and you see the Holy Spirit referred to as wind. And we all know, we know what those things are. Like, in the natural, we know what those things are. I mean, where we live... Uh, we love our summers, but we also know there's going to be some smoke coming in. <laughs> at some point in time, usually from the west. No, there's smoke coming in at some point in time because that's, that's what fire does. Fire consumes things. It destroys things. It, 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 it is, it's destructive in its nature. But that's, that's true and natural. But here's the interesting thing in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, fire is used to cleanse and to purify. And the Holy Spirit is referred to multiple times as the fire of God. So maybe you've heard worship songs or you heard preachers say, you know, bring the fire of God. Again, that, that voice comes out, I don't know what that is. You're like, I don't, you're looking around, like is, you know, is there some pyrotechnics in the ceiling they're about to unleash on me? Or like the fire, of like, you know, wait, may, may the fire of God consume you. And it just, you know, we say things and it's, but it has real meaning. But if we don't understand what we're talking about, it's just weird, you know? Like, yeah, they talked about being consumed by fire today at church, oh really? Remind me not to come with you, you know. So we need to understand, like, well, what is the consuming fire of God? What does that mean? What is what is the wind of God? Like, we're saying, like, God blow through this place. We're like, like air conditioning, or you know, what's happening? Will the pipe and drink kind of blow? And what's happening is like, no, it's the wind of God. So the fire of God is always bringing purity. The fire of God is always cleansing. The fire, of God. Here's the thing: when Moses, this is Old Testament before Acts chapter two and New Testament, Moses was called by the Holy Spirit from fire. You ever seen, you know, or, or read in exodus or seen the movies, whatever where it kind of paints the picture of that burning bush, right? Moses. Moses. So in this, bur- this bush that's on fire. And what scripture says is that Moses, once he realizes there's a voice coming from the fire, that's weird what's going on, but he's still in his own spirit, you can tell that he recognizes the voice of, of God. Of that time, he didn't even fully know who he was, but it was the voice of God. And it says he looked at the bush and although the bush was on fire, it was not being destroyed. See, the Holy Spirit wants to come and consume your life, but the Holy Spirit's not going to destroy you. The Holy Spirit's not coming to be some weird, freakish thing that's going to mess up your life, but the Holy Spirit does want to consume you. He doesn't want to be locked up in your heart so that you can get to heaven one day and say, I finally made it. Thank, Thank goodness for the Holy Spirit's work in my life. So glad I had the Holy Spirit only to find out that God's saying, you had no clue. I didn't give that to you just so that you can make it to heaven. I gave that to you so that you would have a supernatural empowerment of your entire being to live called in this world, to be a light in the world around. We, the church can't be a light when we hide the light. And the Holy Spirit is that light. My prayer is that for our church, because this is our context, this is who we are, this is where we are, This is where God's called us together in Convo Church, that for our church, that we would be passionately dedicated to allowing the Holy Spirit to run free in our lives in our church, in our experiences, in our small groups, in our teams, and everything that we put our hearts together to to be able to impact our city and our region and our nation and our world, that we would start off by saying, Holy Spirit, would you use us? Holy Spirit, would you convict us? Holy Spirit, we don't wanna stay the same. I don't want you to save me and then leave me alone. I want you to convict me. I want you to cut me open. Come on, whatever is not of of you and that is inside of me, God, would you get that out? mindsets, sin, brokenness, wrong ideologies, things that have been done to me that have created an impact to me that is producing death. God, would you would you bring healing inside of me? Holy Spirit, would you use us? Would you use your church? Come on, the Bible says that, that when the Holy Spirit, it says that signs and wonders would follow them. We've gotten away from that in our nation because we're afraid of it. We're afraid of what if it's not following? What will people say? Or we've allowed so many different teachings and ideologies and things. Well, it's for today, it's not for today. Oh, it's not real. Oh, it is real, but it's only real in this context. Only if you're called, only if you're gifted, only if you're really faithful. But I don't see any of that in Scripture. It says the Holy Spirit came upon them in power to be a supernatural bold witness. And you read Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 and, like, it seems like all craziness is breaking loose and people are getting saved by the thousands and baptized by the thousands and healings and miracles are are happening like crazy. And chapter 3 you see Peter and and, and John going to a prayer meeting and and, and before they were just a couple of guys that said some dumb stuff but they followed Jesus and tried their best. And all of a sudden they, they appear to this, they walk in front of this guy who was begging for money, a guy that they had probably passed hundreds of times even with Jesus. For whatever reason, Jesus didn't heal the guy. But the guy's begging for money, and it says that Peter stops in his tracks and looks at the guy. Ever seen somebody who's who's asking for help somewhere? And if you're nervous and you don't want it, you just don't make eye contact. You're like, if I don't see them and they don't see me, then nothing's happened. But it says that Peter looked at him, made eye contact. So the guy's like, all right, good, I got something coming. And he's like, I don't have any money. The guy's like, Keep move, please keep moving. He goes, no, but what I do have, I will give you. We don't have to have what the world thinks they need, but what we have to have is what God knows the world needs. And the thing that the world needs is not for religious people to gather and create divisions of us and them. What the world needs is for us to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit in our own lives, believing that we are not who we used to be, but the power, the transformative power of the whole, I'm spitting up here, the power of the Holy Spirit is changing us so that we can give hope to people around us. We have to have we have to allow our hearts to be changed. I mean, it's, e- it's easy to look at what's going on in our world and be like, this has got to change, this has got to change, this has got to change, we got to do this, we got to do that. And, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree, but what I would say is that the way that that's gonna change is if we change our hearts, we focus on clearly pointing people to Jesus, which is gonna change their hearts and we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that the Holy Spirit can do because the Holy Spirit will transform hearts and transformed hearts will transform the world. Not arguments and points and positions. Transformed hearts will transform the world. And if we truly, and I do with all my heart, that's why we took our whole family and uprooted it from what we knew and where we were comfortable and came to a place that we did not know because God called us to come somewhere to bring a message to people who didn't have it. And that message is that Jesus loves you and Jesus is the hope of the world. And you don't have to, you don't have to uh, act up in order to get his attention. All you gotta do is show up because the love of God is there. The faithfulness of God is there. Salvation is here for you. Doesn't matter whether you were a prostitute yesterday, a drug dealer yesterday, or whether you were a religious person yesterday. We've all fallen short of the, story, of the glory of God. We need Jesus in our life. Without him, we are doomed and we need to be convicted of our sin because if we continue to live in our sin, then we reject the reality of who Jesus is. So as the Holy Spirit begins to invade, come on, even right now, would you allow yourself to kind of be in that moment right now? Let the Holy Spirit to come and invade your heart and your space right now. This isn't religious. This isn't hyper Christianity. This isn't Pentecostalism or Charismania. This is the Holy Spirit of the Bible, who is coming to transform our hearts and our lives, so that we can be effective in the world around us, so that we can bring life into our families, into our marriages so that we can bring life into where God has called us in the workplace so we can bring life to those who God has even placed in houses around us, in our community, in our neighborhoods, so that God can call us to places of position and influence, whether it's in the the workplace, whether it's in politics, whether it's in business, whether it's in whatever, the missions field, where we can go and be people of influence, not because of who we are, but because of what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. He only needs people who are willing to say yes. Burn your resume. You don't need it. All you gotta do is say yes. So this is what I'm gonna ask right now. And on, I hope this is translating online as well as you're watching. I hope that I hope this is coming through. Because the Holy Spirit is going to, You don't have to be in a church building for the Holy Spirit to do a work. You just gotta be where God is and say, Yes, here I am. Here I am, here I am. I surrender to you. I surrender to your will. I surrender to all the things that I don't even understand. But even right here in this room, come on, the presence of God is here. That's not preacher talk. That's the that's truth. That's a reality. That's something you can take to the bank. But if we are not, if if we are not desperate for more of God, then we are going to miss what God is trying to do through us. Like I said, the Holy Spirit's not gonna force himself upon you. He makes himself available for those who surrender and say yes. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.